everybody, it's Bree. And Lainey, welcome. We are so excited about our guest today. We have the Dr. Will, and I'm gonna try and remember all of the things I need to say about you because there's so many good things to say. Um, I love that you are an evangelist for financial literacy. I think that's amazing. Not that it's my strength, but I'm working on it. Uh, you're the host of the Dr. Will Show, so a, a professional podcaster. You've been doing this for a while. Feel free to give us some tips. Um, you are featured on Forbes.com. I just read that article, and I watched your documentary last night, Edupreneur. Super cool. You had a lot of my friends on there, and maybe we can even get the chance to talk about that a little bit. And be overlooked, he is also one of our Future Ready Instructional Coach Advisors. And um, so super, super excited to, uh, to pick your brain, Dr. Will. You are an absolute expert in our field, and so we're grateful that you're joining us today. Very good. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it. And you have a day job. We should talk about that too. <laughs> I, I just mentioned all of the things you do beyond your day job. And so could you tell us a little bit about the day job? Uh, well, I am a K through 12 instructional technologist. Uh, the sort of main part of my job is training teachers how to teach with uh, technology. And then I help with uh, student accounts for different software programs that we purchase. Do some help desk stuff, uh, which was really, you know, the first three weeks of school. I was like really tired and I would just sit in my favorite chair in the living room and I was just out. My wife was like, wow, I'm tired. I'm tired, girl. I'm tired. Uh, because I was getting phone calls from student, you know, parents and everyone. How do we log in to Google or how do we get into Schoology and those things? Uh, so uh, I, I enjoy what I do. You know, last Friday, I was working with the teacher on how to use the Promethean panel to teach students who are at home virtually as well as in the classroom at the same time. And I was just sitting there watching her teach her, her kids who were virtual at the time. And I was just like, I like what I'm doing here. Nice. I, I, I enjoy the work. Uh, and so I've been, I think this is my eighth year with the district. Very cool. Well, one of the things that um, that we like to do to kick off our episodes is to talk a little bit about our sweet and our sour. You can't have lemonade if you don't have a little bit of both. And so um, we'd love to, to ask you to indulge us, if you will, mm -hmm. and, um, and share a little something sweet, a little bit something sour. You can do it in whatever order you like and uh, just kind of what's happening in your world these days. Uh, the sweet is the fact that there are teachers who are embracing teaching online who are embracing this sort of new world we live in and are thriving you know they're doing well and I'm, I'm watching them you know blossom and bloom and it's amazing uh the sour is teaching teachers who are fighting and don't want they don't want to teach they don't want to they don't want to try they they keep sort of you know, you see them as, and, and, and their tone is as though online is inferior to online, which I believe when it comes to students, I'm all in for whatever works. So whether it's a charter school, online, traditional face-to-face, -face, I'm there. I, I support it. Uh, homeschool, 
you know, so I, I'm, even though I'm all in on online, I do recognize that for some students, you know, there are other ways that work best. So when I hear people who are just like, online sucks and it's terrible and it's an inferior, and I just want to ask them, have they looked at their school data? Because there are kids who show up every day who still fail. And some of them are in your class. So you can't say that it's superior when we all know that it does not work for all students, whether it's in your own class or what's happening in your district or what we know happening across the United States. So, you know, that's my sour for those people who are like, I don't, I don't want to do this. It's, it's terrible. Uh, my kids are, you know, aren't doing this or they're not doing that or whatever. And I'm just like, you know, it's different, you know, it's, it's, and you just have to adapt and, you know, just give it a try, I guess. That's, that's my thing. You know, if, if I understand this might not be your cup of tea, but just to sort of boohoo what it is, uh, you know, that's, that's my sour. That, that reminds me so much of, um, I was having a conversation with my, with my kids and, uh, about, trying something new, right? Like, like I, I grew up, my grandfather had this rule that if we were ever eating something and it was something that we hadn't had before, right? Like you had anything that was at the table, you had to have three bites up. You couldn't say, I don't like that, right? Like it was not allowed in his, in his house. And so even if it, he, now he didn't tell you how big the bites had to be, but you had to have three bites so that you could justify that you tried it. Cause he would, he would not allow you to be like, I don't like that. Well, how do you know? Well, I, I just, I just don't think I will. Right. And so I think that that's one of those, that's, that reminds me so much of that as, as we do have many people who categorically dismiss something, right. Because they're just like, I just, I just, I just know that I won't like it. Well, I mean, what if you try a little bit and, and just, you know, maybe add a little bit of your own personal seasoning to it, to get it to where you want it to be. It might not be like you, it might not be your favorite, but will it do in this situation to, you know, like, like if you're stranded on an Island, will it keep you alive for the next few weeks until we can have something different? And, and I appreciate that mindset because so often we're not even given something a chance and we're not even looking to, to give it the support that it needs to, to try. I mean, I've had a lot of those conversations in the last couple of weeks with, with people saying this just doesn't work. Well, we never, are, are you even putting it in a situation where it could work? Are you laying the foundations? Are you creating it or are you just setting it up to fail from the very beginning? Yeah. And you know, I, I've talked on this show before about how I have a history with online and I've never really said how that started. And that actually started because the district that I worked for was, is basic aid. So they didn't actually get paid per pupil, they get paid based on property tax. So they were actually really early in about 15 years ago, um, I got involved in the online program in our district. And what really, like, I was just kind of like, I was trying to be open-minded. I was like, well, this is kind of interesting. And then I started talking to the teachers and, and Dr. Will, I want to hear what you think are the benefits, because one of the benefits that this one teacher said to me was, we thought all our high achievers were going to just nail it. And we were super worried about our at-risk kids. And what we saw was our at-risk kids were thriving. They, they wanted that autonomy. They wanted that choice. And they did 
super well. And actually the kids we had to pay the most attention to for support were our high achievers because they weren't getting that validation that they got in a face-to-face -face classroom. And we had to kind of teach them other ways to be involved in the conversation that wasn't that just die open dialogue. And so that, that for me was really powerful because I believe that online learning gives every kid a voice um, and it, when it's done well. And I, I have so much grace and patience for what's happening when we're in this transition, when we're in crisis. But it's, this is a community near and dear to my heart. So I get really frustrated when I hear people say online learning doesn't work. No, no, no. Online learning works when it's done well. And it might not be for every person. And I love how you said earlier, it's like, I'm for whatever works for kids. Yes, yes. And so for some kids, online learning is, they're going to just thrive. And so I love that. So, so what are some of the other things that you just love about online learning? Because I, I consider you an advocate for online learning. Thank you. Because we all got to stick together because there's a lot, not, not as much love going around for our community. We used to be our own little niche off to the side. And now, and now we got to kind of come out and, and tell people how there's a lot of good here. Yeah. Well, I love where, you know, how people can take it at their own pace. Right. So even for that student that you may say, wow, these are tier three students, you know, when you are that teacher, let's say you have an LMS where you can actually individually assign work to those students. Those students can take that extra time that they need. And if you record some instructional videos explaining certain, certain concepts, right, that student, you have now multiplied yourself. So that student can watch their video as many times as they need. They can get the practice in. And it's not those situations where you're, you're in there, you got 25, 30 kids, and you go, y'all got it? And yeah, we got it. You move on and you give a quiz. You're like, no, they didn't get it. Uh, and so this, you know, because you can embed formative assessments, whether, you know, you're going to do something quick uh, in Schoology or uh, Canvas, or you're going to use a Nearpod and you're going to do it. You're able to quickly ascertain, do they have it? And if they have it, guess what? Well, you don't have to spend any more time on it. You just move on. And if they don't, then how do you attack that at that moment? Like it helps you remediate. It helps you understand where your students are and where sort of where you uh, need to go. And I, and I love how we're, you know, we're also working with kids whose minds are different. Like these, these aren't the sit and get kids because they didn't grow up like we did. You know, we had, you know, Look, it was special when someone rolled that cart in uh, with the TV and the VCR the size of a suitcase, you know. But these kids have everything on demand. Yeah. Right? They don't even have to wear, wait on Blockbuster for a new release. These kids have on demand. So everything for them is immediate. And then they have these phones where, again, they're recording videos, whether it be TikTok, Snapchat, making movies, doing all sorts of things. So how they see the world, how their minds are sort of becoming rewired, how they see things. It's totally different from, you know, how we were raised. And so having this online, being able to reach kids where they are, being able to allow them sort of their own paths to sort of make meaning with the knowledge. So as a teacher, I'm all for kids being able to write an essay, but every assignment does not need to be, write me a, a five paragraph essay when you can say, hey, take your phone 
and create me a video of you explaining the you know main parts of this story instead of you just writing it out so now kids are being creative they're using real world tools um they're in, again making personal meaning with the information and not just okay i'm here's a worksheet i'm sitting it. i'm you know you're doing your thing whatever and so that's why i am all in for it because you know it, it it's not about you about you right it's about them and i've even told my teachers and that i've trained they don't need you for facts they got google for that they don't need they don't need you to tell them this happened on this date at this time because they can google and i and you and i know you know because you have emailed me to say my kids are cheating because they copy and paste which means that they're finding the information so they don't need you for that so but they do need for you to make sense to ask questions to begin you know, embedding inquiry into your courses to have discussions, uh, to get them to think differently about the content or what they're studying. That's what they need you for. But they don't need you for this other stuff because it, it, it doesn't, it, it doesn't even, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, and trust me, people, the technology, if you don't think the technology has rewired our brains, I'm 46 years old. There was a time in my youth I knew people's phone numbers. You know what I have now? A phone. I know my wife's phone number and I know the phone number of my childhood. That's it. Everybody else, I go to my phone to contacts. And again, I'm 46 and I grew up with memorizing phone numbers, but because of the technology, I don't. <laughs> I don't even attempt to do it now because I know I can pull out my phone, go to contacts. And so because we live in this sort of different world and how we think, how we interact with stuff, with the technology, we have to teach differently. And that's what I love so much about online and using technology because we get to do some dope stuff and we get to get kids excited about what they're doing. I woke up on Labor Day and I had, I use a, for the teachers that I coach, I use a booking system and someone had booked me for Labor Day. And I was like, God bless these teachers. They are working hard. And so I, I sent a message like, are you sure? I'm happy to meet, but do you really want to meet? Oh, yes. And I got her on. Uh, we were Zooming and she's like, I just, there's so much. What do I do? And I said, well, you know, can you have the kids be more of content creators? You're just, you're taking so much on. I know you feel overwhelmed. What can the kids be doing? What opportunities can you give them? And this teacher was amazing. She brought me so much joy. It was like the best part of my day talking to her because she had like the best attitude and was so open-minded. And she just was embracing these ideas of empowering kids and turning them into content creators. And I think that's definitely something we can do here with online learning. I love that. Absolutely. I, I, you totally spoke to my heart as a former English teacher um, about the five paragraph essay because I, I was right there with you of... Um, and I, I did not, I did a very similar thing in my classroom where we did not crank out essay after essay after essay after essay. We broke it apart and, and did a lot of those pieces of, of create a video, create a, you know, an audio track, do all these different elements to really bring those senses alive. And it, it, it completely changed the students' 
comfort and fluency and quality of, of writing in that way, because you have to give them that inspiration in order for, you know, to, to understand where that comes in, which reminds me so much of um, what that beauty of technology is. And I, I, I use the analogy of, um, you know, a lot of times, like what we have in our head, we don't have a skill to bring out with, through our hands, right? So like, if you are, um, you know, if you're not a gifted artist, and you have your, your teacher assigns you to draw a picture of X, Y, and Z, um, you know, you immediately shut down, right? And you're like, okay, look, I could spend 45 days, I could spend 45 minutes, I could spend 45 seconds, and my stick figure is still gonna look the same. And they know that, right? Like they're gonna put in that level of work that they feel comfortable putting out. But if they were able to utilize a technology platform or tool where they could create that Steven Spielberg, you know, type movie that's in their brain and then put that together and share that, their quality of work and expression of knowledge is going to go through the roof. And so I love that you said that, like we, we, so often as educators, we end up limiting the ability of our students because we want it done in a way that is one dimensional and is not going to appeal to everybody versus letting it be representative of what their skills and what their their interests are and and that is such a beautiful thing that happens with with technology so i, I want to ask you a question um because i know you've been you know in your work as a coach as well as as this year specifically You've had um, some time with teachers kind of wrapping their brain around what's going to happen um, this year. What is a good way to get started? Um, let's say you're maybe not super <laughs> excited about, you weren't, you weren't signing up for all of those uh, technology-driven professional learning opportunities in, in 2019. Like that wasn't your cup of tea. Um, but now all of a sudden you find yourself, okay, I need to do this. Um, you're, you're trying to embrace it but you're completely overwhelmed with all the things. How, how can you, what advice, what advice would you give teachers that are trying to kind of wade into the pool and get started, but not drained? Uh, don't try to do everything. And don't jump on everything because you think it's sexy because it comes up on Twitter. Because uh, and, and, we you know, we're on Twitter, so we've seen the hyperdot craze, and you know, now is the Bitmoji craze, and everybody's like, I gotta do it, I gotta do it, I gotta do it. And I even had an administrator ask me about it, and I was like, They don't need to be doing that right now, they need to learn how to teach online. Like, what, what does it look like to actually put together a course? And I believe in just starting small, get your win win, and from there. Once you are comfortable, you have a routine, then you can expand and bring other stuff in. And even for that teacher, if you just start with a Nearpod, because you're comfortable, lecture is your, is your comfort level. Let's do a Nearpod, where now you can embed uh, those multiple choice questions. You can have your poll. Uh, you can do your uh, virtual reality. You can have those because those, they have like a collaborative piece in there if your district pays for it that works like padlet where you can have kids giving uh different uh comments participating together uh build from there but pick one thing that you can start with 
that you can master, that you can get comfortable, and from there, branch out. And even though some things may look real pretty, don't fall for it. Just be like this. Don't 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 look at it and 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 keep it moving. Yeah. Oh really quickly, I was just gonna say, um, like I love hyperdocs, but I I quickly or I wish I could say quickly, probably not quickly enough, realized that when I was introducing that to teachers, I wasn't encouraging them to evaluate the quality of the hyperdocs. And is it actually a hyperdoc? Because I I believe if you do follow um what our friends the hyperdoc girls, that's what they call themselves, Lisa, um, then, then it's going to be high quality. It's going to be inquiry driven. But sometimes what we see are very pretty uh, Google Docs or Google Slides that are actually not inquiry driven, that don't really empower students. Um, so we have to be so careful and so critical um, in analyzing, is this a digital worksheet or is this what we want to call a hyperdoc? And so I think that's, um, I'm really glad you brought that up because I feel like that's something we cannot say enough is try. I, I like how, for those of you who are just listening, you didn't see, but Dr. Will did the blinders. Like don't, don't fall for it. Stay focused on the content and the design and not just, is it pretty? Because I think that's a real easy, I, I'm, I'm subject to it all the time and I have to slap my own hand and say, stop it. <laughs> I, you know, and one of the things that, that does remind me of is that we, we spend so much time thinking that online is a completely and totally different beast than what we have in a face-to-face -face environment. But, you know, the thread of continuity is that it is learning, it is education. So just like if you're designing your routines and your classroom management and what that looks like within your face-to-face -face environment, you also have to think about that for your, um, you know, for your online situation. And so um, I, I know one of the the temptations, right, is to focus on those end products oftentimes, right, and to say, oh, okay, I got to get a Bitmoji. Okay, well then, but how are you going to send that out to your people? You're like, you've got to even, like, how, what does that LMS look like? Do you, do you, you know, is there one provided from your school? If not, then what are you going to, you know, breaking those parts down, don't, don't think about the car until you've learned, until you've got your driver's license first, right? Like, you've got to get some of those things wrapped in and then you can start thinking okay now how am i going to implement that what's a good design for that those kind of pieces but I, I was having that conversation with new york teachers um last week where i was like just you know put yourself back into that first year where you're like all right what does my attend you know how, where where when am i available when am i gonna you know what does my my homework policy look like when am i gonna post it do i have absentee folders where this information is available if you weren't there in class today and and just start to think of your classroom but in the cloud and start kind of setting up those tables if you will so that you know where you're going to put stuff and then you start to feel more confident because that's one of the things that I've noticed a lot with with teachers who are less inclined to do online is they immediately don't feel confident but you know how to teach like you do this every day now let's just think about it as a as you know with the technology tools in there like you still know how to hand write a letter but you also know how to work your phone and pick it up and call somebody Right. So it's, it doesn't, you don't lose it just because you switch to somebody else. You just need to figure out what that, that element is in there. And, and I think that that's, you know, even you were sharing about those things that you're doing at the beginning of this year, right? It's, it's helping them. Like, how do I get into my, my, 
my LMS? How do I set up my classes? Where do I, you know, where do, how do I create a course? What is even in a course? All of those pieces, that's the valuable stuff right now. Yeah. They also need to bake, break bad habits. Um, okay. Um, teachers, and I've told them, you are used to going bail to bail in a face-to-face. You are not going to be able to do that on Zoom or Google Meet. Don't even dare attempt to talk 40 minutes or an hour to your kids because I don't care who you think you are unless you are, you know, Beyonce or somebody. At some point, your kids are going to be like, she or he is crazy and they're going to stop showing up. Uh, or they're going to mute you. They, they, just, they just may still be there, but you're going to get muted because, you know, when it comes to our attention span, and I even told teachers, everyone has their point of, okay, I'm done. And I've even told teachers, we're going to do an hour and a half training today. And at some point in time, y'all going to be zoning me out up on here. So think about your kids when you're talking to them and making sure that if you're going to do a 25 minute lesson, this is not you talking for 25 minutes. This is I work out a problem or I read the piece of this story and then I stop. And then I engage my students. I have them uh, answer a question. I have them on a padlet. I have them do something. You You have to create intervals where you stop and engage the students and have them do something. You can't just sit up there and talk, 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 because they will, they will zone you out. And if that's what you want, that's fine. But if you want to be good, you want to be great, right? You want your students to show up, then you cannot act like, uh, you know, you're going to go platinum or something, you know, you gotta, you gotta (laughs) break that bad habit of, it's all about me. I'm going to talk, 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 talk. Uh, you shouldn't be doing that in the face-to-face classroom, but online staring at a zoom call when kids may have several a day, you for sure do not want to be that person that, you know, when you see the memes of kids like this, you don't want them to be doing that for you. I agree. So, so Dr. Will, I have a question. And as I mentioned earlier, I watched uh, your documentary last night and it was really fun for me. Um, I, I, those are people that I have worked with for a long time, some of them, and uh, go to them for counsel. We share ideas. And so it was, I, I really wish I've been doing consulting for 10 plus years and full time for a good portion of that. And I really wish I had had that documentary to watch when I was thinking about it. You made some really good points and I really appreciate um uh, the story you wove together from the the, the points that the um, the contributors gave, <laughs> especially the one where like don't quit your day job right away. Like that's that's always kind of an interesting one. I was really blessed in my consulting gig that I um, that I always kind of like had had something stable and I didn't have to worry about income. But but as I was watching that, it kind of occurred to me like we have a lot of experts in online learning out there, right? I call it a niche prior to COVID-19, but we actually have a lot of online teachers, right? There's k12.com, there's a ton of networks. Um, So what would your advice be to those who actually have the skills and the best practices Mm -hmm. to help so that they can have, I love how you say impact and income, because I do think we need to value ourselves. I do think 
um, that income is important. How do we have the impact and get the income without the icky feeling? Because that's always something I worry a little bit about. Like, I don't want to feel icky, um, especially like I don't want to feel like, oh, now, now everyone's talking about online learning. Let me put out my for sale sign and come, 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 I have something for you. So like, what is your best advice for those who have things to offer, um, how they can do impact and, and also income? Well, for me, the impact comes from why did you become an educator? And we're, we're just looking, I just want people to look at where you're not betraying those reasons, but you're actually extending what your work you do to a larger classroom. And so that's sort of where I think of the impact of is like, you know, do what you do, you know, and just instead of this, whatever size of your classroom and your building, now you have a larger classroom to share your knowledge with, to make that impact that you set out to do when you first uh, became a teacher. But the icky piece, I want teachers to realize that your school district isn't your family. You may like the people you work with. You may have a great time with those people. You may have a wonderful relationship with your administrator and superintendent, et cetera, but you can still lose your job. Whether it's through budget cuts or a situation where, you know, if you, you know, I don't want to get more of it, but you lose your life, guess what? They're going to replace you. So don't get caught up in this whole idea of money is sort of a terrible situation because your district plays the, plays the money game as well, right? Um, we all know people that budget cuts came and whether they had my position, which for some school districts is a luxury, or you taught art or computer science or whatever, you could actually teach English, but maybe 300 less kids registered. Teacher unit gone, that could be you. And that school district, you know, they may hate to give you that pink slip, but you're going to get it. And so I want teachers to think of themselves as a business of one and understand that they have to look out for themselves and their families and create multiple streams of income and not just be beholden to their school district for that one check. Nice. Okay. I totally, I totally appreciate that thinking about like your family and who you have to be true to. I definitely appreciate that. Absolutely. So with that, one of the things that, that often comes up is creating that um, portfolio, right? Or creating that name, that brand for, for yourself. And, and sometimes it, it means actually getting a logo. I know you and I've had conversations about logos and things like that before, but it doesn't necessarily have to mean that you are quote unquote setting up shop and creating, um, you know, a business. What, what, what kind of advice do you have around branding? And let's kind of look at it maybe from a couple of lenses, like what even just right now is, especially with our, um, you know, creating teacher presence um, in an mm -hmm. online classroom involves doing a lot of what we talk about when we, when we say branding and, and creating your story and your origin story and all those different elements that are in there. So if you can kind of look at it from that lens first, and then let's also look at it from that entrepreneur lens of, of, you know, I want to create that multiple streams of, of, of revenue. So if you can kind of 
come at it from those pieces. What, what are your thoughts? The first thing is you got to do the work, right? Because I, I don't believe, you know, I've heard this from, and it's so true, but I've heard this from Gary V where he says, don't create document. And so first do the work. And whether that's in your classroom or, you know, you have an, an opportunity to volunteer somewhere, you have to first do the work. You know, if you have not taught online, you have not taught teachers how to teach online, then don't get yourself caught slipping on Twitter all of a sudden, as Lainey talked about, hey, let me help you teach online. Don't be that person. Because um, we have seen people, you know, there are people that I know, all of a sudden I'm seeing online stuff. I'm like, seven months ago, I didn't see this from you. I don't know where this is coming from, but you did not build your career off of this. So I don't know why this, you know, where it's showing up, but, you know, build, build, your gravitas has to come from the work that you actually do. And then from there, that's where your own blog comes into place where you're just, again, you're not, you're not creating, you're documenting what you're doing in your work. So your doc, Oh, in my classroom today, we did X, Y, and Z. This is how I designed that lesson. Uh, and, you know, share things again, sharing things on Twitter, you know, for your colleagues of, Hey, you know, um, if you want to learn, know how to do this on Google, Cl Google classroom, how to do this in canvas, um, I wrote this. Let me show you how to do this. You know, so you can do these screencast videos. I can do free webinars. But again, everything has to be based upon the work you're doing. And then you got to hit the conference circuit. Now, I understand that physically it's not the same, but go online and you fi find a conference and speak and share. Again, share what you are doing. Again, this is not about you creating something out of thin air, but documenting what you've already done and sharing your expertise from that from that lens that's where your gravitas comes from that's where your brand comes from because when you speak about it it won't come out of left field right and people will go oh well you've been doing that for years you know it's not you know like so many people we're seeing now you know uh there you go where's this coming from uh <laughs> And so that's what you want to do is always about, for me, what does the work say, you know, and just, just bring it. And that's what I tell people before you sort of think about the, the visual pieces of quote unquote, a brand, your brand should be about your work. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if people in your building aren't coming to you about X, Y, Z, you're not doing the work. Right. If your administrator isn't coming to you saying, hey, I love what you're doing. This is amazing. Can you go teach Miss Williams how to do that? You're not doing the work. And that is where your brand comes first is it comes from the work. And when you can do the work and you're confident <laughs> that you can do the work, then at that point, you're ready to share. You know, you don't you, you can't get out there and you, you haven't done the work. I cannot stress that enough. You just. You, 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 because, because if you look at, even if you look at the people that we respect, right, the people that on Twitter, you're like, I got to follow this person or the people at, when we used to go to conferences and you would see people, you know, stand in line and it's still be like 60 people waiting to, to get into that person's room. You're, you're not trying to stand in someone's room that just flash. That's somebody you're like, I respect this person. I want to, they're doing the work. I want to see, I want to hear from them. I want to see what they're doing. 
And that's why I tell teachers always start again with the work and then documenting that work again by having that blog, by having a vlog, by having a podcast, by having a YouTube channel where you are actually, you know, having these screencasts, instructional videos where you're watching the walking teachers through, you know, how did you create this lesson in a learning management system if online learning is your thing? And once you are, you're doing the work, you're showing people that you're doing the work, people will naturally come to you, right? The buzz will naturally get out like, yo, this is the person to come to. I get tweets where people don't want to say, I don't know Schoology, but Dr. Will and three other people will be including that email, right? In that, in that three, like, oh, go holler at them. Now, it didn't come from, you know, me selling you know, Schoology, but people know I've been an ambassador. They know that I talk about it. They know they've read my blog posts. So they know that we, uh, we're not blog, but articles that I've written for Schoology Exchange. They know that I have put in the work on using this. And so, you know, I'm nobody special. I'm just saying that once you do the work, everything else comes from there. Yeah. In, in Texas, we have a phrase called all, uh, don't be all hat, no cattle, right? Like it's, it's the, it's the equivalent or, or to date myself, um, the, the milli vanilli kind of moments, right? Where like, they might look like it. And then all of a sudden you find out they are nothing behind that at all. And, um, I think that is so true. You know, you want to make sure that you're talking about the experience that comes along with it, whether it's your experience or, um, you know, I personally am, am one of those people I was, was raised up in the world that, you know, you don't talk a lot about yourself and, and all of this stuff. And so it does feel icky to me. And one of the things that, that was always pressed upon me is that it's not you, it's the, it's what you bring other people, right? Like it's the, we, it's the experience that your students are having that it's, it's not, you bragging about all the stuff that you are doing it's it's what that teaching is creating what that learning opportunity is in there and i, I love that that you you know it, it does it begins with what you know um you know your 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 mom could be you know my grandma was a, a amazing cook but there were things that she didn't know how to cook and and i might like let her try to do something if she'd never made it before but I wouldn't expect it to be amazing, right? Like I would raise my eyebrow about it versus something that I knew that she she could really do. And I, there's a huge difference there. Well, and, and for me, the, the branding conversation is always really interesting because um, I, was, I was on a board for, um, I won't mention the company or organization, I'll let you wonder which it is, but um, it was a board of educators and it was brought to us that this community should do kind of a campaign for branding ourselves. And I thought that was a great idea. I was all in. I love it. I love the idea of this is my story. This is what I bring. This is what I want to share. And it was shot down so quickly by every other person on the board. And this was a very innovative group, but they really were not there. And, and actually a few years later, they did end up running that campaign, but it, it took a little while to get there. And I think um, I, I'm kind of with breeds. It's, it's something I still struggle with. And, um, but I have to remember that I, I do have things to share. 
And so working on my messaging of what I have to share is something that I, I I'm a little bit of a jack of all trades. So that's sometimes a, a, a challenge as to brand what I do because it's kind of a little bit of everything, but there's definitely a niche. And I love, um, I was listening to, gosh, I can't believe I'm going to say this again because I think I mentioned Dax Shepard last time, but I was listening to his podcast and he, they, they were talking about love the thing that loves you back. And mm. so I do believe that, that there is something to that, right? Like I'm, I am going to stay within my wheelhouse and it may feel like I, do, I am a jack of all trades, but the reality is innovation, personalized learning, um, professional learning, that's, that's my wheelhouse. That's where I live. I probably need to be better at messaging it, but I'm not all of a sudden going to go out and be the culturally responsive teaching expert. That's not, I don't have that background. And then the other thing I just want to say to those out there, because we're kind of on this edupreneur topic is, um, to stay relevant. Like we, do, we have to not only have the history, but continue the work. Right. And so I am not going to be comfortable going in front of teachers talking about, well, this is how I would do it if I haven't worked with kids in five to 10 years. And so um, it was really hard for me to leave my district and become a full-time consultant. But one of the best things that came from that was that I actually ended up spending a ton of time in classrooms, shoulder to shoulder with teachers where I was either co-teaching or doing a demo experience or something like that and really trying these things out and failing in front of them and going, well, that was a total flop. That was like, let's, let's talk about why that didn't work out because you brought me in because I'm supposed to know how to do this and it still didn't work out. Let's, let's tear that apart. And I, I just really feel like that's, that vulnerability is maybe also a part of my brand that I need to be better at about articulating. I'm not here because I have all the answers. I'm here to learn with you. And so I'm really looking to you, Dr. Will, because this is something that I have as like an area of growth for me. I need to figure out how to be a better edupreneur. So I, I see some people who've been doing it as long as I have, and they're much better at getting their message out. So I'm kind of looking to you guys. How can I do better there? Yeah, I'm just, just don't be, I mean, I, I say never be afraid to just, you know, again, be yourself and share what, you know, what, what you're doing. And, you know, cause we have this platform again on Twitter where you can, can easily share uh, a lesson plan, you know, share a, a coaching methodology, share something where people can benefit from it and it's out there for free. So you're not charging anyone. So, you know, it's not that, Oh, do I charge people? Cause you're not, you're, you're giving it away for free and they're benefiting uh, from it. And the thing is about a brand is you already, you already have one, you know? So for those of people who are like, I don't have a brand. I don't care about branding people. We live in the era of Google. So future employers are going to Google you. Current employers will Google you. Uh, you meet someone at a deli or a Starbucks and you hit it off and they're like, would you like to go on a date? Well, COVID is a little different now, but um, guess what they're going to do? They're going to Google you. Make sure you don't have a bunch of rests and you're crazy and all that stuff. So people will Google you. And the question you have to ask yourself is, what narrative do you want people to have of you when they Google you? Is it something that you have produced because you have a blog, you have a vlog, you have a YouTube channel, you have a podcast, you have a website where, again, you are sharing high quality content, whether you are an entrepreneur or not, uh, or 
is it a Facebook picture that someone tagged you with where you could have been on a beach on Cabo or something? So you be aware that people are in fact Googling you and what do you want them to have? In addition, I always like to tell teachers that because of this, how you act offline needs to be thought of as well because someone can record you and put you up online. Uh, so, you know, don't go somewhere and you're thinking I'm an adult and this is legal, which all may be true, but if it's filmed, you know, and put online, uh, your principal may be calling you. So uh, just, you know, be, be, be full aware of who you are, what you are, what you bring to the table, and what do you want people to think of when they think of you, when they, when they Google you. And so whether it's, I'm going to, I want this because I want that school district to call me, or, you know, I want to be an, an academic coach next year, or I want to be a principal next year. My future goals are to be X, Y, and Z. At some point in time, people will Google you and what story will they get back? And so when I talk about branding, that's what I want people to understand that you need to think of that narrative that is out there about you. And do you want that narrative controlled by someone else or do you want that narrative shaped by you? I love it. I mean, our brand is our reputation, right? And it is, it's truly um, that, you know, whether it's digital or not. And, and, I, and I also believe that we need to keep in mind that it's not just our employers, right? Like I, I know, I, I mean, I have two kids, Lanny has two kids. I'm looking up teachers. I'm looking up anybody who's interacting with, um, you know, with my kids in, the, in that environment. And it's it's up to us to kind of ask. And and we all want to know, like, if if it's something that we're interested in, then we want to um, make sure, or something, you know, something or someone we're invested in, we want to make sure that we know what what's being created in that situation. And so, um, you know, like with our teachers, or with our kids' teachers you might be asking the neighborhood, right? Hey, who's had this teacher before? And they might not have had them, but they can say, oh yeah, I always walk by her whenever I'm walking down the hall to go to my, my kid's class. And that person always has a smile on her face and you know has such a welcoming environment. That's telling you something, just like they could also say, oh, I don't know that person, but every time I walk by, there's 12 kids sitting out in the hall and she's out there, you know, or whatever the case is. We. I love that you said that we're in charge of that narrative, um, both both the absence of that narrative as well as the the presence of it, right? Because people are going to come to their own conclusions either way, um, and and why not try to take control of that? You know, we we certainly set ourselves up. We choose our own clothes. We choose our music. We we all of these things are, are very carefully chosen to represent ourselves in certain ways and and brand might feel icky and it might feel like a marketing term, but it's what you do in every single way that we, you know, how, how we present ourselves for sure. Yeah. Well, Dr. Will, thank you so much for your time. I know um, we have a, a short window and I wanna make sure we honor your time. So we'll let you go here pretty soon, but really quickly, I know you've got the Edupreneur documentary. I hope people check that out, especially if they're interested I think it's really good. I was very happy to watch it. Um, it was a lot of affirmation for me, things that I've done over the years, and then also some things where I was like, mm, 
I should be more, more intentional with that. And so I really appreciated you sharing those voices. So we've got the documentary, we've got the Dr. Will show. Is there anything else that we want to let folks know about? They can find you on Twitter for sure. Yeah. Well, on Twitter, uh, I am at, I'm Dr. Will. Uh, the entrepreneur two is being edited right now. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're trying to get the, get the soul for the story out. Uh, right now there's a lot of information, but the soul isn't there. So we're trying to find, you know, find that soul. Uh, I don't know how it's going to turn out because that first one, you, I, I guess what I'm trying not to in my mind is trying to repeat it. Right. Right. Because we, that first one is that's, that's, that's like, Oh, that's my baby. That's my first one. And I know it's different people, it's different topics. So I know it's not going to be the same uh, story. Um, so we're, that's what we're trying, trying to do. And this whole thing is interesting because while other educators write books, I chose not to go that route because the where the idea came from Dr. Sarah Thomas, but I knew that I didn't have a book in me. I just knew that that wasn't going to happen. I mean, you know, I, I can barely do two pages before I'm like, I'm wiped out, done. Uh, so for me, understanding that medium that works best for me in terms of creating content and knowing, wow, video and, and, and this whole audio piece, that was a great way for me to get my, my voice out, you know, cause I could, I couldn't have written a book on the, on the entrepreneur. Yeah. But I was like, I want to tell the story. So I, I, I love that. And that ties back to what you were talking about earlier, right? It's like, we can't just limit what we ask kids to do as far as how they tell their story. So you didn't have a book in you, but you had a story in you and you chose the medium to, to do it. And I think that's great because there's a lot of books out there. Some were released the week we all closed down. That was fun. Um, but, but, but you had a story to tell, and I think you wove those, those narratives together really, really well. So I'm excited for, for the second one to come out. I'm sure you will have great things to share in that as well. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you. I appreciate you bringing me in. Yes. Thanks, Dr. Will. We will catch you in all the things you were doing and, and be looking for that, that sequel. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks. Thank All you. right, guys. Check Dr. Will out on Twitter and remember hashtag Lemonade Learning. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye.